Hello, Acaville Radio. Welcome to another wonderful episode of Talk Acapella. It's a podcast for the acapella community where we examine the culture as well as the ins and outs of vocal music, along with the people who are working to shape it. I'm your host, Brian Alexander, and it is so great to be speaking with our listeners out there today. Uh, we've had such an amazing assortment of guests over the weeks, and we're going to continue that train of rolling with another wonderful lineup of individuals who are coming to us straight out of California. So you have probably heard of the Los Angeles Acapella Festival, if not Go check it out. It's one of the biggest events in the acapella community. It's a great spot to just learn, to enjoy music, and just to network and just build that great acapella foundation. And just to kind of give you a little bit more insight about it, we have an amazing cast of people who are just working to put on a great show, not only with the Los Angeles Acapella Festival, but with Casa as a whole. Joining us today, we have Marone Mogo. She is Casa's director of festivals and events. We have Jessica Goddank. She is Laugh's executive producer. And we have Melinda Ellis. She is Casa's director of education as well as the Laugh Education Lead. How are you all doing today? It's a great, great day in California. Great, great. Thanks mm-hmm. for having us. Awesome. Yeah, I am, yeah not a problem. <laughs> I am so jealous. I'm in Texas right now and the weather is just like pitiful. So I'm just jealous of all the people in Cali right now. I feel your pain. <laughs> I, I would be jealous too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I normally would prefer like 70 or 60, but every now and then we have to suffer through, you know, 30 and 40. So I just wanted to put that oh. up there. But I am super <laughs> excited to have each of you join in the show today. It's great to just speak with people who are in the trenches of everything that's going on in the acapella community. And I think what's so great about Laugh is just like, it's so popular. It's such a hit festival. It's such a cool thing, but I don't know if people really know what goes into putting on the events that you all put on. And so this is a great time just to kind of explore that, learn about where you've been and everything that goes with it. So just to kind of start off, each of you have such a deep background in acapella. And I want to start here. As you look back on your collegiate and post-collegiate, what are some of the highlights or memories that stand out along your individual journeys? Well, I'll jump in. For me, I I went to, uh, I was in Lady Blue at Duke University, and I had never been involved in acapella. I kind of knew of acapella as sort of barbershop and doo-wop, but I really didn't even know acapella, really, that there was such a contemporary element to it. So when I got to college and kind of stumbled into it, it was just kind of amazing getting to join this, you know, group of amazing women. I was in an all-female group and it's just, it's such a community and getting to sing with them on a regular basis and perform. It was, it was such an amazing outlet. And I just, I didn't really know that existed. So for me, it was just like kind of being introduced to contemporary acapella that was really exciting that I loved. And then, you know, I just kind of went down the rabbit hole <laughs> since then. <laughs> so was your first exposure to acapella as a whole in college or did you have any kind of prior working knowledge of it? before then? Yeah, I would say it was primarily like my freshman year in college. Again, like I knew what acapella was, but in a in a really general sense, I didn't really listen to acapella music. So yeah, my first year of college was really when I when I kind of realized what it was and also like what the community was, because I had no idea that there was such a significant community, not only, uh, well, mainly within, you know, the collegiate space, I really just didn't have a clue. So, so yeah. Yeah, I can echo your sentiments there. I'm like, for me, I just discovered videos on 
YouTube, I never once thought that, oh, this is part of a bigger community. So I am so with you there. And that was Marone speaking. And so what about you, Jessica or Melinda? I've always been very musical. And I actually went to music school for a few years. But studying like jazz saxophone and like classical flute. And it was actually not until I went to engineering school that I discovered acapella with a bunch of other nerds. And it was so that was like life changing because I love singing. And it was just a great musical outlet. And it's not really cult like that's not the right thing. But it's down this rabbit hole that you really get into it. And you just form these amazing relationships. There's something about singing with a group of people that's so incredible that I just I never turn back. And then not to like plug another festival, but actually the next really opening thing for me and acapella and like the community was when I went to Boss, which is another acapella festival that's in, in Boston. Because before that, you know, I wasn't really going on YouTube all the time. You know, we weren't really doing any festivals or any competitions. But when I went to Boss, I just met all these incredible people. I learned so much. It was just, it was really life changing for me. And my trajectory, that was something that really changed where I was headed. So I love these festivals and I love the acapella community. It's it's really amazing how small it is and how tight knit it is. And it's so easy to just talk to anybody in the community, no matter how famous they are or how new they are to, to joining it. So that's something I really love about, yeah, the acapella community. Yeah, I love that point that you made. I feel like while it's growing, it's still so yeah. connected and it, it feels very niche at the end of the day. But man, there's so many people who are supportive of what everyone else right. is doing. So that's a yeah. great point. And then we move over to Melinda. How about mm -hmm. yourself? Yeah, I kind of similar to both Jesse and Marone in the sense of like discovering it in college. So I'm a musician. I've, I'm an instrumentalist. So I've been playing strings pretty much my whole life and various other things I picked up along the way. And I'm a music teacher as my main job. So I was very much in the music world always, but not involved with acapella or anything like that. Didn't really know what acapella was similarly until I got to college, but I learned how to beatbox when I was in high school, when I was in marching band, one of my marching band friends, just like nerd on top of nerd. Um, so I, I learned how to beatbox. Um, and then I kind of was just doing it on my own, like would go down the YouTube rabbit hole. And then I got to college. I went to UMass Amherst um, and discovered this whole acapella world and ended up co-founding the female acapella group. Gonna turn 10 this spring, which makes me feel old. Yeah, yeah. Sharp Attitude's gonna turn 10, which is wild. I started it my freshman year with one of my best friends and everything just kind of exploded from there. I got involved with uh, Sharp Attitude and after a couple years, uh, a friend and I decided also to go to Boss for the first time because we were in Massachusetts. And that was the first time we were kind of like, whoa, there's a lot going on with acapella that we didn't really realize. And it for me, it was just such a refreshing community because coming from the classical music, music world. I've been to classical music camps and festivals and I've always been involved with youth orchestras and things like mm -hmm. that. And it's just a mm -hmm. highly competitive world and really, really based in comparison. And it can be really tough to have that atmosphere with your art because it's such a personal yeah. thing. Like you have your music mm -hmm. and you're kind of always being judged on it and just this kind of cutthroat thing. I'm not a competitive person at all. That was never really me. <laughs> so I didn't go to a super intense conservatory or anything like that. So when I discovered 
covered this collegiate acapella community and the acapella community in general, where like Jesse mm-hmm. was saying, like everyone is so down to earth and I would yep. meet these kind of like celebrity <laughs> people <laughs> and you know, everybody is so chill and it's just the acapella community is like, I will give you all of my secrets and let's just learn mm-hmm. together, which was mind blowing to me because you don't find that in the classical world. Nobody is like, oh, let me tell mm-hmm. you how I'm successful and I'll give you all my secrets <laughs> just because I want to everyone to make music and continue on our experience together like it's just a lot it's a very different kind of musical atmosphere so that was really refreshing for me I was like oh wow we can just make music and it can be of a high level and all of that good stuff but also not feel like we're competing against each other all the time like it's it's more of a collaborative community based Mm -hmm. environment which I really love you pointed out the celebrity (laughs) aspect of acapella which I find interesting (laughs) because I've been in many concerts in my life I've seen a lot of worldwide global artists but for some reason I will go to one of these events one of these festivals in acapella community and I will geek out and like get so timid on trying to approach (laughs) one of the performers because it's just like oh my goodness I can't believe I'm meeting these people for the first time and I would never do that with a Jason Mraz or Bruno or whatever but something about the acapella Mm -hmm. community it just like brings out a different level of geekiness for me personally so I'm so with you there I think we all feel Um, that way well good I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one well wow that that's so wonderful just to learn so much about you all and once again it just shows how diverse and at the same time there's so many similar components that comes into how we all find our way to acapella something that you all have in common is casa at the end of the day and casa's man it's just like the hub of the acapella community it does so much for really advancing this art form and i'm curious how did each of you find your way specifically to your roles with casa did you just one day realize hey i needed to be part of a event were you working events and then got on board with casa what happened there yeah. So I'll just start off by saying that CASA produces, you know, three main festivals each year, which are LAF, the Los Angeles Acapella Festival, BOSS, which is Boston Sings that Jesse and, and Melinda both mentioned earlier, as well as SOJAM. So those are our three like big festivals that we produce nationally. In terms of getting involved, at least for me, I, you know, had moved from New York to LA, was really, you know, this was after I graduated years later, and was really interested in sort of like still being a part of the acapella community as a non college student. And, you know, also being new to LA, it's a new city. I was trying to figure out what the acapella scene is like out here, being completely unfamiliar. So after reaching out to, you know, some people who are sort of like mainstays in the acapella community, that's sort of how I found out that they were looking for some new team members. So for me, it was it was really just joining the laugh team that sort of kicked off my whole journey with CASA. I started off as like the food sponsorships coordinator, actually, on the laugh team, which is, you know, the most unglamorous <laughs> role, Jesse will tell you, because she has done that role before. Too. And then after a year, our executive producer stepped down. So then I, I, I jumped into the executive producer role. And then I did that for a few years. And then at a certain point, our director of events who oversees all three festivals and, and other, you know, smaller events for CASA, that person was stepping down. And so, you know, I oh. was like, oh, I, I think I can do it, you know, and I, I did not really have any kind of a 
event background even before joining the laugh team. I just I had been to some festivals in the past. So I kind of had an understanding of how the festival works. And then yeah, so then I became the director of events for Casa. So and I've been doing that since 2017. So yeah, it's just really this, you know, this one small thing of wanting to get involved in the acapella community <clears throat> in LA and, and joining a team, which was very casual and just great group of folks. And, and then you kind of just, you know, I think depending on how committed and how passionate you are mm-hmm. about, you know, acapella, about the work that Casa is doing, like there's really opportunities to move up. I'm a perfect example of that. And I think, you know, I'll let Jesse and Melinda speak. They also have had similar trajectories as well. So it's really exciting to be a part of an organization where you can take on more responsibility and, and have more impact in the acapella community. Wow, that's great. Very nicely said. Yeah. Totally. How about you, Jesse or Melinda? Sure. So yeah, my stories, it's funny, it parallels Marone's in a little bit, actually, because I also moved to LA. I didn't know anybody. I didn't even have a job. I just had my boyfriend at the time. I'm now married to, but anyway, I was in LA and trying to think, okay, how can I make good friends? And I decided to go to laugh, actually, because I, I had known about Boss from before. And I had such a great time going to the festival just as an attendee. And then I connected with Laugh's executive producer at the time over Facebook. And he actually connected me to Marone and we founded a group. And that's that was actually how I first made like my own group of friends in LA. Cause LA is a big place. And <laughs> Jesse, I was like, are we going to go there? But I'm like, oh, I, I, mean, I, think, I don't know. It's such an amazing story to me. It's like, how do I join a group? Well, you know, you go on the Facebook page and you connect with somebody and they'll connect you together. Right. I come back to this theme of community and loving the acapella community and wanting more people to be exposed to it. Like if, if you love singing and you want to be in a group, like that's, that's the way to go. But anyway, so I, I attended laugh first and then I had this group and then I knew Marone. I think Marone got involved. And then when they had a position open up on the team, she was like, Hey, maybe like you'd be a good fit. I have no event experience. I am not marketing. I'm social media, nothing, but I am very organized and very passionate and a good, I would say like leader, but I'm you know, I'm willing to do whatever. So it was just a natural fit for me to start working with these people who had connected me to the acapella community in LA. And I just love making this festival happen every year. I'm just very passionate about it. So last year, Marone asked me to step up to be the executive producer. I was like, sounds like a lot of work, but I'll do it. Like, absolutely. So I actually live in San Diego. I'm not in LA anymore, but every year I will make the trek up for sure to, to make this festival happen. So it's, yeah, it's something I feel very passionate about and I hope to stay on for many years to come to make a successful festival. Oh, good, Jesse. I'm glad to hear that because I'm not letting you leave. <laughs> I'm, all good marone is like Phew. yeah i was gonna say jesse i'm like you mentioned two traits i would love for any member of my past groups to have was the organization passion man i'm like give me a person who has those two and we will go far yeah. so i can see why they wanted yeah. you for sure absolutely and then we come to melinda how about yourself what how did you find your way to casa yeah, I'm like I've been like trying to organize the past like six or seven years in my head right now. I'm trying to figure out how everything started. But as I mentioned, I went to uh, Boss for the first time. So I was in Massachusetts and was kind of like, "Whoa, this is an incredible community." And that's my personality. Like when I'm in that situation, I'm just like, "Okay, I want as much of this as I possibly can." So I just kind of ran with it. I was in a music education and music performance major, not anything to do with vocals at all. I beatbox, so that was you know my entrance 
years into acapella. So I was like, oh, this is a great place where I can teach, mm -hmm. like practice teaching because I was, you know, I knew I wanted to be an educator and then also just be a part of this community and I could teach uh, beatboxing, you know, something that's my secondary third instrument, something like that. So then I started instructing at festivals. I've taught at Boss and I also flew down. I was so into acapella that my friend and I flew all the way down to the South so I could just so I could teach at SoJam <laughs> and be at that festival. And then it just kind of exploded from there, I got involved uh, with Laugh. I moved out to California and then I got involved with Laugh and was the education coordinator last year and just continued to want more. And as Marone mentioned, CASA is so great like that. If you are just interested and you express that interest and you're willing to do whatever and you're kind of good at what you do, like if you're a good volunteer, good instructor, they'll give you more roles. So that's really as simple as it was. I just kind of oh, wow. asked, <laughs> you know, I showed up, I volunteered, I did my job, I, you know, I did everything I needed to do and just loved it. And this board position opened up. So <laughs> I've been on the board a couple months now as the director of education, which I'm really excited about. And, you know, also continuing as LAF education coordinator right now since there's this overlap and we're in a pandemic and everything is all crazy. So I'm kind of doing both right now. But yeah, it's just been really great. I feel like I've kind of a quick rise through the ranks of CASA, but it's easy to do, I guess, if you're, like Jesse said, like organized and passionate, you know, which... I share that as well. So, so yeah, it happened quickly. I find interesting <laughs> with the, the three of you that you kind of mentioned and how you came to CASA and then your time and what you've enjoyed. You all mentioned the people and you mentioned the community aspect of it. And that's something that I find very interesting because when I look at say other events you look at concerts you look at festivals or whatever and you look at the people that go and you think of the fandom i guess you think of people who might go to a taylor swift concert or you think of people who go to Nicki minaj you know the people who are really passionate about it and that makes me so curious about casa events as a whole for you all what would you say makes a casa event a, like uniquely casa at the end of the day is it that people aspect is it that the community has just kind of surrounded it and just like, yeah, this is our thing. What makes CASA events just so what they are today? I think you hit it, you know, exactly right. It's it's definitely like the people and, you know, obviously the community aspect of it. But I will say specifically with CASA events, and I think Jesse kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but there is just this sort of openness when you come to these events where it doesn't matter if you know everybody or you know nobody. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that whatever your level is in terms of acapella, your experience, when you come to a CASA event, there is this immediate sense of belongingness. And I think that is something that's really important to us as the event producers. We want to make sure that these events are accessible to anybody and that they will come and feel like there is a place for them. So I think we really work hard to make these events cater to everyone so that they can have the most amazing experience. And then I think, again, whether this is your first time coming to a festival, there's so much you can take away from it. Right. And then yep. again, just also you meet so many people. Like I can't even tell you, like even for me, having gone to festivals, you just meet so many people and it, and they're like really authentic. And, you know, you kind of just you sort of spark these relationships that don't disappear after the weekend. It's mm -hmm. kind of amazing. And then everybody stays connected afterwards. So I do feel like going to these events builds that community for you and helps you establish these relationships that are going to last for a while. I mean, I can't even tell you how many people, I, how many people I'm so close with that kind of started through whether it's CASA 
salsa events or even just acapella in general. So I think that's one of the really exciting things about kind of entering the world through Casa events. So I guess it, that's why I, to me, it makes so much sense, I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, why there are so many offerings at these events in terms of like workshops and the different what acabombs and performances, and things like that. You just want people to feel like they have access to so much when they come to an event. Is that would that be fair to say? Oh, yeah, I feel like that's exactly it. Like, that's kind of what makes, I don't know, what's uniquely CASA, CASA events, I guess. Is I've been to other, you know, musical festivals and, you know, both on the classical side mm-hmm. and the acapella side. Um, and I think what's unique about CASA is just has something for everyone. Like, there's always, you know, comprehensive education offerings. And then there are performance, you know, small performance opportunities. There's a, a whole huge awards system. There are opportunities for master classes. It's just professional showcases it's just so many things packed into this one weekend and it's such a tight-knit community that you start Mm. to see the same people at these Mm -hmm. events even though they're all over the country having been to all three main festivals multiple times even though they're literally on complete opposite ends of the country the people who are involved in this community will find reasons to make it out to them you know of course with like local people at all of the places but it is such a yeah, I guess like a uniquely tight knit, smaller community. It's like big enough yeah, and small enough both at the it. same time. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, I'm like, yeah. I don't think my mind really processing until you just made that comment about why people, you know, travel to the different things. I've never understood why someone would be so up for going to in the same year, you know, going to LA and then going to Boston and then going back down south. I'm like, how in the world, what is driving you to do this? But like you said, it's that those connections that you're making it and as I guess all of you have kind of mentioned it's just the, the lasting impressions because you go to a normal festival and you don't think to go afterwards to go think to add somebody on Facebook because, you know, you really connected with them or there is something that you're both equally passionate about or maybe it's a networking opportunity, but you have that with CASA events. And so it's really make, starting to make sense why everything kind of has played out the way it has in this community. And on that note, unfortunately, we do have to take our first commercial break, but don't go anywhere because we've been having such a wonderful conversation with Marone, Jessica, and Melinda from Casa and Laugh. And we're going to continue those conversations right after this break. You may not know this, but Acaville is a nonprofit. We're a community supported organization, and the way we keep our lights on and keep the music spinning is largely through memberships and contributions. So I encourage you to be a member of Acaville. Not only will you support everything that we're doing and supporting the community and bringing great music and features to you, but there are some pretty killer member benefits out there as well. Head on over to Acaville.org, check out the member benefits because we'd love to have you as a member of the Acaville community. And welcome back to Tacapella. Thanks for joining us back on the show. We've been speaking with Marone, Jessica, and Melinda. They are members of Casa's festivals and events team. You know, everything from the events you see with Soul Jam and Boss to Laugh out in LA. And we've been getting to know their background, learn about their acapella journey as well as what has brought them to CASA and before the break we started to talk a little bit about what makes CASA's events uniquely CASA which is such an incredible thing because you know you just real you feel that sense of community and it shows with the people who attend as well as the organizers so just to kind of 
continue with that conversation a little bit. So when you're considering creating new events for the acapella community in terms of CASA, such as Local Vocal, which was started back in 2018, where do you start? Is it based on bringing activity to a certain region? Are you looking to fill a void, try out something new? What exactly is the mindset with the new event? Yeah. So with Local Vocal, like we were, what led to us sort of, you know, establishing that program is, you know, we love our CASA festivals, but at the end of the day, there are only, you know, three a year. And depending on where you're located in the country, some people aren't able to to get to Los Angeles or to get to Boston or North Carolina. So we wanted to start thinking about how we can reach more local, regional communities and give them some sort of performance opportunity. So that's sort of how Local Vocal was born. We really wanted to kind of start off in areas of the country that are underserved, that don't have as many outlets for performance. So the first year, we actually did a poll on Facebook through the Now Acapella Now Facebook group and announced that we were going to be doing this local vocal series and, you know, asked the community, like, where do you guys want to see local vocal events happen? And then, you know, hundreds of people responded and we kind of started off with, all right, let's start with where there's the most interest. So we did events in Chicago. Chicago, in Rochester, in Philadelphia, in Orlando. I'm sure I'm forgetting one. And then, you know, we had other plans to do local vocals in other parts of the country, definitely like in the Texas area, in Ohio. Of course, the pandemic hit. So it sort of, it really brought everything to a halt in terms of local vocal because, you know, we really wanted to push that performance opportunity, but also community element because that's another big part of, of local vocal is that within these pockets in the country, if you're a college student, if you're a college acapella singer, like you may know the other collegiate groups on your campus, but you probably don't know other acapella singers in your city or, you know, at neighboring schools. So we wanted to kind of create this environment where we're bringing together lots of different folks from that area and bringing them into a place where they're going to perform together and then also get to network and meet each other and hopefully create relationships where, you know, after this local vocal, they'll be able to go off and do other things. So it's sort of, again, just sort of supporting that community element while while giving people an opportunity to get on stage and show their stuff. So it's really cool that it has that additional effect of really fostering or I guess allowing acapella to kind of be self-sustaining in particular areas, as you mentioned, with groups really connecting with one another. Because I know when I was back in a collegiate group, I knew of maybe two or three other groups, but I had no idea in my state that there were so many other groups. So with the local vocal, for instance, that would have been a great opportunity just to connect, as you're saying, network and be like, hey, we can do things after this event to really build up acapella, which I think is such a really cool thing to do. Yeah, it's yeah, for sure. Like getting people out of their bubble or knowing that there is something outside of their bubble and then they can really go from there. Awesome. Wow. That's really cool. And kind of tied to that, it's making me think about the educational aspect of acapella since we're talking about the collegiate space. And I know that education is part of a lot of what's going on with CASA's initiatives with their events. And for you, Melinda, you hold a degree in music education and art and you are CASA's director of education. As someone who regularly works in a teaching capacity, were there like any initiatives or elements you were hoping to implement or felt could be a benefit to the acapella community when you first got into your role? Yeah, well, that's I'm kind of there right now. Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly when I joined the board. It's only been a couple months. So yeah, I have lots and lots of ideas. But you know, I, I joined and then kind of got 
really involved with laugh. So some things are on hold, but one of the main projects that I am going to be working on is kind of building out more content on CASA's main website, because like Marin is saying, we have these main events, but they're not necessarily accessible for everyone, right? We have the, you know, in the South, the Northeast and the West Coast, and then local vocal, but then the pandemic happened and everything kind of got put on hold. So again, just wanting to provide more resources and more content so people can continue their learning outside of festivals. So that's going to be my main goal as the new director of education to, you know, get this kind of resource hub. I'm thinking, you know, eventually we can have arrangements up there and kind of how-to articles, maybe some video clips, like little tips and tricks, just a variety of different resources that can kind of just be in an online hub that folks can go to just kind of supplement their learning outside of festivals. That's my main goal going forward. Now with that, is that content that CASA will primarily create or are you looking for input from the community to help with that? I think a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, mostly CASA creating, but I think one of the cool things about CASA is we're also so interested in partnering with other organizations. And that's, again, the cool thing about the acapella community is that there is room, you know, it's a big world out there, big country. Like There's room for, you know, multiple organizations and lots of different input. So yeah, it's just, there's, there's so many options out there for what we can bring to the people. And just remembering that it's all about, you know, we all have this common goal of, I, I like this, you know, classic, like harmony through harmony. Like we're all just trying to, yeah, yeah you know, and I, I really do believe that like, this is how we better ourselves doing small things, like having communities like this that are just so welcoming and open and everyone is so open-minded. This is the small kind of like grassroots ways to kind of like reverberate positivity throughout everything. Yeah. And I know for, at least for me, when I was once again, back in my early days of acapella, when I co-founded a group back in college, I think I turned a lot towards CASA for information. It helped me to find other groups basically, and just to kind of learn from them as well as read some articles and just kind of get my bearings on kind of the direction of how to get going on my, my specific acapella journey. So I, I know for one, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes about with all that you have planned. So this is this is really great to hear. If I could turn a little attention now to laugh to the Los Angeles Acapella Festival. Now, before we get started with that, I have a question for Jesse, because Jesse, you are the executive producer of laugh, which is a really cool title. And with that, I always see executive producers like on all the different events in the community. And I'm just like, not only does it sound awesome, I'm sure there's so much that goes into that. Can you just like enlighten us on what an executive producer does for a CASA festival or the, the laugh festival? Yeah, sure. I mean, I want to give a lot of credit to Marone as well, though. She's like very heavily involved with laugh and all CASA events and, and the direction they're going. But how I see the executive producer role is you don't do any one thing in particular, right? Your job is to manage the team and make sure they have all the support they need. And then, like I said, at a higher level, it's like the vision for the festival. So do we want to do the same thing that we did last year? If there are changes, what adjustments should we make based on the feedback that we've gotten, right? That's sort of how I see my role is consolidating that kind of information and then figuring out as a group, okay, well, what direction do we want? 
want to take. So I'll guess I'll give an example of that. Something I'm trying to push more in the coming years is that previously laugh is more oriented towards like, I, I would say like collegiate and high school groups, which is great. That's where most of the singers are. But I, you know, being in a, we call them post-collegiate group or like you call it a community group, basically anyone who's out of school, right? These groups are harder to find. People have real lives, you know, but I want that community to be brought together a little bit more at these festivals. And so something we created this year was the spotlight, which is like, it's not a competition, but it's like a way to feature these groups that aren't eligible for the competition. So that way we can bring them together and get them more involved because I really want to grow that community and have more of these post-collegiate singers so that there are more people my age that I can connect with in my area, right? There's just not as many groups as soon as you get outside of college. So it's that kind of like high level vision that you can put together. And then again, just making sure to support the team and making sure everything gets done. Hopefully you don't have to micromanage anybody, but usually it's just talking through roadblocks and teaching people how to do their role because, you know, you get new people on the team. There's a role that comes up we haven't really done before and you have to be, I guess, kind of not not producing the role, but kind of directing how that role functions and and what they do. So it's really like a project management position, which works well because that's actually my current job. I know how to manage teams well. And I think it's really great. We get to collaborate and work together on the festival and, and make it everybody's vision together. But at a high level, I'm sort of organizing that. Okay. So when did you all realize that laugh, the, the 2021 event needed to go virtual? Oh boy. Well, I think we knew, we really knew before even laugh planning began, you know, these festivals, they, you know, we typically start planning, you know, at least three to four if not more months, you know, in advance. So back in, I, I, I want to say like back in May or June, that was when we, or maybe maybe closer to the summer, July, I would say, is when we knew this pandemic is not, we're, we're, we are in it and it is not going anywhere. So we had actually for a long time thought SoJam was going to be still an in-person festival and we were quickly proven wrong. And so as soon as we decided that SoJam was going to be shifting to a virtual event, we kind of knew that laugh 100%, there's, there's no way. So I would say from the beginning of laugh planning, we we knew it was going to be virtual. Okay. And you mentioned the SoJam aspect of that. What are some things that you picked up from putting on that virtual event that helped you to prepare for laugh? Oh, boy. So, I mean, look, we with SoJam, I'm going to be completely honest. We were really working in the dark. Yeah. I mean, uh, there was a lot of pressure for SoJam because, you know, at first it was like, should we do anything? Right. Because it's such a tough year. You know, how do we even shift? everything to a virtual setting? Do we have a platform that can support all of the elements that we want to include? So that was a big conversation. But we you know we really felt that with the pandemic, people are not able to perform like, you know, the way we are used to doing acapella has like just completely changed. So we wanted to do something for the community. We wanted to make sure that we were still going to be there for the community in whatever form that was. So we felt really compelled to, to move forward with the virtual SoJam. And, you know, a lot of it was just going off of instinct and hoping that it would work out and I think the biggest piece was finding the event platform that we ended up using and are now using for laugh, which is Hopin. For me personally, that was definitely the most stressful part of it, just trying to find an affordable event platform that would be able to host all of the elements that we want to include, such as streaming performance, classes where people can be on screen and be able to support all of that technology, some sort of networking aspect where people can still meet each other and be face to face and having it all be in one place so that we don't have to go to different links and make it confusing for the 
attendees. So I think when we found our event platform, that was like a, a big sigh of relief. And then again, just kind of, we wanted to really keep a lot of those fun elements that we still have in an in-person event. So still offering workshops and tweaking them with the way we do master classes, you know, so now we move them into like mentoring sessions since groups aren't really able to perform and get critiqued on their actual sets in a virtual setting. And then still wanting to provide a really fun professional concert. One of the things that we're missing right now in acapella is being able to watch live music, right? So we really wanted to be able to still provide a really exciting, viewable performance that felt live and where attendees can interact with each other. And sorry, I don't mean to go so long about SoJam, but it was very successful. We were really, really, really proud of what we were able to put together and with the response from the community. And I think one of the things that happened is with Laugh, we kind of did need to take a beat to kind of see how SoJam would go. So we started laugh calls before SoJam happened, but we were just still learning and trying to take as much information from the SoJam process. So once we did have SoJam, like laugh was really able to hit the ground running because we felt like we knew how to move forward and how to implement the best parts of SoJam into laugh and learn from some of the mistakes that we made with SoJam and, and just kind of move forward. I mean, SoJam was awesome, Maroon. I just, <laughs> yeah. as an attendee, I, I was worried about like the community sense, like, you know, we're all in our little offices at home, but just being in these workshops with these people and having people come up on screen, I was like, I kind of felt like I was there. If I close my eyes, it's like, I'm still getting the same experience in some ways. But yeah, no, SoJam was a great success. And like Marone said, it was kind of a waiting game to see, okay, like how did SoJam go? Okay, we're just going to make a few tweaks, but let's do it again. And with new instructors and new groups and we adding a competition, I think was probably the biggest change, but SoJam was successful and hopefully uh, will be as successful as SoJam was. We'll see. I thank you, Marone, for providing that detail because I think it's important to recognize that you all weren't just looking and in terms of SoJam and of course with LAP just for a platform that just showcases a group of people performing at the end of the day. You really took the time to consider how do we bring that community aspect, which we've discussed quite a bit on the show today, how do we bring that into an online format? So I think it's very important to really get that point across. And to Jesse, I'm curious because you started to hint about bringing things together for laugh. What did that prep look like in terms of putting together the show, seeing that you all switch to this virtual format? You know, how do you go about keeping in touch where normally you might be meeting together? I don't, I'm not exactly sure how you all put together a show ahead of time, but what did the prep look like for this year, considering that this was such a new way of doing things? Yeah, well, actually the prep didn't change that much because our team is typically spread out across mostly California, but you know, we have participants from the East Coast, like doing social media management stuff. So so we maintained our weekly phone calls on essentially like a Zoom similar platform. And, you know, we did our status updates. And just what really changed was how does each role get modified to adapt to this virtual setting, right? So normally there's a food sponsorship role. Well, we don't need to do that this year, right? We can cut that out. But then, well, we need someone to coordinate these one-on-one -on -one sessions. They're kind of similar to master classes, but, you know, they're not in person anymore. It's very similar in terms of planning and the roles, but against like adapting to the platform. And then I guess Melinda should probably talk the education. I feel like that's the biggest difference using an online platform and getting all these instructors set up. Cause usually we have to think of classrooms and what the technology needs are and, and how to get everybody set up like physically to a location. But now it's like, okay, how do we make sure everyone can connect to this and like share their screen or 
audio or whatever. So the planning process was actually pretty similar. And again, lots of lessons learned from SoJam. It was more tweaking. Do we want to put the competition on this day or on this day? Or what are the eligibility requirements for the groups? Actually, we, we usually we insist on like 100% participation. But because of the pandemic, some people just don't want to go to virtual events, which I totally get. So we had to adjust that requirement essentially. So it's just, yeah, it was figuring out these tweaks given the reality of the world that we're living in now and putting it all together. But yeah, very similar from like a planning style. And then the timeline was just compressed. Usually we start planning in, in October, you know, doing like a weekly call. We started it in every other week at first. And then like January really like hit the ground running like, okay, we got two months. Let's get this in and get this through. So I'll also add that because the festivals are virtual and basically accessible to anybody, we were really like cognizant of making sure that so jam laugh and boss weren't like on top of each other we really wanted there to be space between each of these festivals so all of the festivals actually have slightly pushed from their normal timeline you know so jam's usually in november it pushed to december laugh is usually at the beginning of february it's at the end of february boss which we just announced is usually at the beginning of april it's now at the end of april so the timelines needed to kind of shift as well due to the pandemic and the virtual nature okay and to you melinda what this this new way of the the show being executed what has that done for your prep or has that made life a little easier has that changed anything for you i don't know where to start it's just so different so yeah like i've said i've taught at casa festivals and then i also coordinated the education for laugh last year in person so kind of like thinking of both ends like what it would be like you know i have this lens of like making sure the instructors are comfortable with this new online format i'm trying to put myself in their shoes like what would i need if i was teaching in this way but yeah so the prep has been really different mostly because of the platform so we have to build out the festival on Hopin and build out all of the sessions. So it's a lot of tech stuff, way more than I would normally have to do. So that's been kind of cool. It's been definitely a learning experience. And I just think it's incredible that I keep getting blown away with the fact that we're able to do this. Like it's not lost on me that this technology exists, that we can have a virtual acapella festival. I just think that's the coolest thing. And a huge, 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 incredible silver lining, I think, of this whole thing is that because we're online, we're able to have people not just from the LA area or for SoJam, not just from the Southeast area. We have international representation, which, yeah, which would not normally happen. So I'm thinking of our schedule this year. We actually have one instructor who's going to be teaching from Australia. We have instructors who are from the Netherlands, London, every time zone in the US times five, at least, you know, we'll have 27 classes and a couple of them are co-taught so like 24 25 instructors i'm really from all over the world literally which i think is incredible that we can just offer that because you know we would not ever be able to do that normally and you know the same with the headlining performers too from you know international representation so that of course presents different challenges with getting all the instructors ready to go we had an onboarding call the other day and people were zooming in from all different time zones and you know organizing walkthroughs with all the instructors and everyone is all over the world. So it's definitely really different planning this and I guess a little bit more than just making sure everybody's projectors are working and all that stuff at, a, at an in-person festival, yeah. but it's worth I, it I and very cool. That to do. Yeah. It's um, amazing to have like the international perspective because you know usually we're so like 
in our American bubble, even, I know we've got this like Akamel community and like sometimes like the international folks like come or attend or like sometimes you get an international group. That's one thing that really stood out to me at SoJam. It's like, oh, like you guys do things completely different. Like your role is completely different over there. Acapella groups are like, you know, they have fangirls like and they have, they fill theaters with attendance. Like for this group I've never heard of before. It's just a totally different perspective. And that's like something awesome that we can do this virtual platform that we normally can't do. So thanks Melinda for coordinating all that, but it's a very cool aspect to the festivals this year. Yeah, that is so exciting to hear that what this unfortunate you know, circumstances kind of led to that it gives you so much more to work with. What would you say to listeners who have been regular laugh attendees over the years and are worried about what they'll get out of a virtual acapella experience? I would say the only like to be completely honest, I really feel like that experience of connection is going to be there. That was one of the greatest things that I feedback that we got from SoJam. They were so surprised that in a virtual setting, they still felt so connected to everybody at the festival. And that was just, that was really like one of our goals. And so I think that, you know, of course, you know, nobody's going to be able to be in person or give each other hugs. But with this virtual festival, there is still going to be so many opportunities to connect with others and to share this experience with others. And, you know, in a time where we're all sort of missing that connection, that will still be intact. And I think that is like the biggest reason to come. And, you know, again, we still have all of the same things that we do in a normal in person, there's still going to be the classes, there's still going to be opportunities for networking and mentorship and watching incredible performances. It's really to be honest with you, it's just everything is going to be from the comfort of your own home. So you don't have to travel. Yeah, you get to sleep more and and be in your pajamas. Yeah, I was gonna say the pajama yes. part. That sounds like the best. Part yes. I mean, yeah. we could do that. Normal. It, it, yeah. I would say that they would be pleasantly surprised because that's kind of how I felt with SoJam. Like Maron said, it, it's amazing the kind of connection that you can get with this hop-in platform. So there's chat features, there's like a networking feature, which kind of feels like a chat roulette kind of thing, which is kind of fun. And there's booths, there's so many opportunities to connect, even though it's online. And I know for the professional showcase for SoJam, it, you know, we were watching the videos um, and chatting the whole time. And it just kind of had, for me, it had this feeling of being at a concert and like whispering with your friends, which you always feel like a little like, we shouldn't do this right now, but I want to react to the show, you know, kind of thing. So you try not to, but like, you're so excited about what's going on. So I feel like this provides the opportunity to do that. You can like scream and cheer and hype people up in the, in the chat that, you know, in a way that you wouldn't normally be able to do if we were in person. So it's still, it felt like you were like whispering with like a hundred of your friends at the, you know, right. Right. at a concert. And you're more, con- you're more connected than like watching a YouTube video on your own, right? It's like everybody's experiencing this at the same time. And then like, just to sneak in my thing, every Casa Festival I go to, I get like really inspired after the whole weekend of seeing everybody else. I still got that from the virtual SoJam. And so I think I will still, I would say everyone who comes to laugh, you could still get that inspiration from just experiencing with everybody. So I think that will be there as well. Awesome. I can't see a reason not to want to go to laugh people. You have to check it out. And with that, we are going to take another quick commercial break, but do stick around because we have an exciting round of rapid fire questions coming up with Marone, Jessica, and Melinda right here on Tacapella. Justin Glodich has done a lot in music, directed a collegiate group, performed on a reality TV show, and now he's in the classroom as a music educator, and he's got a show all about it. 
Aka Education focuses on how to bring contemporary acapella into music classrooms, and you can hear it right here, Thursdays at 7 p.m. East, 4 p.m. West, and again on rebroadcast Sundays at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. East, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. West. It's also part of the Acaville Podcast Network at podcast.acaville.org. And we are back. We've been speaking with Marone, Jessica, and Melinda. They are the team behind Casa's festivals as well as the Laughs uh, Festival that happens in L.A. and which will be happening soon. So be sure to check that out. We've been speaking so much about what you're going to get out of the Laugh experience, which to me, you're... It, you're not nothing is missed when it comes to this year's event yes it's going to be virtual but the same connections those same educational components the inspiration you get from the concerts it's all going to be there so we want to emphasize that you do check that out and with that we are going to transition into our rapid fire round of questions we like to learn just a little bit more about our guests and we hope to like catch them off guard with the questions that we have come up with so Marone Jess Jessica and Melinda, are you ready for rapid fire? Let's do oh, it. Oh, God. That is exactly the response I wanted. I wanted to make you a little uneasy here, but I promise it is all in good fun. So here we go. First question. What is your favorite non-acapella activity? Television. I'm a TV junkie. I watch everything. Not reality TV. I'll be very clear about that. I work in television. I watch a lot of television. So ask me anything about TV and I have an answer. Walking my dog. I love my dog. Other than music, because like my first answer other than acapella would be classical music. music. But I guess other than that, fitness kind of a fitness freak Ooh. lately oh, well, all right great all right, answers. answers all right next all right, question next. what's, the, what's best the best live concert, concert or, performance or performance you've ever you've seen oh oh my gosh i'll go i would say non-acapella i saw leanne rhymes live just before the pandemic and it was incredible it's like just her and a guitar player she's really amazing and then i guess acapella i'm just honestly thinking of laugh competitions i've been to or like casa competitions i've been to every boss so jam or laugh competition i don't know that's too broad but yeah like some of the best yeah like shows actually have been at casa festivals mostly probably during the competition like moments that take your breath away you're like like i can't believe they did that like i'm gonna be very controversial and say the virtual so jam 2020 professional showcase i know that sounds insane because it it was i wasn't there in person but i was like truly blown away by what these groups were able to do and what that whole experience of watching it you know with with others virtually it it, i i literally cried so maroon was like not to i mean i feel like we're sucking up but it's i think she's being honest i believe it for sure awesome all right so what's one thing that makes you laugh everything (laughs) i i laugh out of i don't know i laugh all the time probably out of awkwardness but oh god i don't know sorry pat a good pun unexpected things like if you could surprise me like the unexpected nice all right so we were kind of touch on it a little bit earlier but what's your favorite laugh memory my favorite laugh memory was from a few well there's oh god there's so many but the one that stands out i can't remember what year i want to say it was 2017 where face was our headlining group and sometime during their set everybody in the audience rushed out of their seats into the front of the auditorium and it became like a mosh pit and it was just the most joy it was literally the most joyous thing i had ever experienced such been a part of and like i will never forget that yes that sounds awesome i concur that was quite an amazing year yeah 
two for face and then melinda i don't even know just all of it honestly well last year at laugh i brought um i was directing a high school group at the time so i brought them and i guess just seeing them experience the festival and like watching my students like have a similar experience of like totally falling in love with the community was just very very cool to be on the other side of that like i i really enjoyed seeing them get just as much out of you know a experience and a laugh experience as I have in the past. So kind of seeing it through their eyes was very, very cool. Great, great. So you're granted a lifetime supply of any one thing. What do you choose? Like food? It's gonna, or it's, yeah, like, I was going to say it's going to have to be something food related, right? Can it be like time? I'd probably say pizza. That's my my love, my true love. Whipped cream. New York pizza. Going with pizza. Yeah, something food related. <laughs> and did, sorry, Melinda, did we get an answer from you earlier? I'm sorry. I don't know. Something food related for sure. But I can't narrow it down from there. Maybe burritos. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Next question. What is one thing on your bucket list? Oh, man. These are nail biters. I, I love to travel and I, I usually go to a new country every year. Obviously, that's halted recently. My next bucket list travel place is to go to Japan. So I'll Ooh, say that. Good choice. I mean, I guess I, this is going back to a place I've been before, but there was a mountain that we didn't hike up when we were on like a kind of a remote island off of Brazil, my husband and I wanted to do. And so we're planning to like go back and, and make sure we, we do that hike, this tropical mountain. So on the, if anyone's familiar with Brazil. Ah, I like it, like it. And then Melinda? Melinda? I don't know. Well, I guess, I don't know, this is bucket list. Well, I spent like all year, I was supposed to have a wedding ceremony and we were supposed to go to Bali for our honeymoon and then Aww. the pandemic happened and everything got put on hold. So that's still a bucket list. I still want to go to Bali <laughs> when the pandemic is over because I spent so much time like researching and thinking about it. This was like, that's actually, just kidding. We're going to have a pandemic first. So hopefully that'll happen. Awesome. We hope it happens. All right. Here's the big question always on rapid fire. Cats or dogs? Neither. Neither. Whoa, that is a first. <gasps> Whoa. Whoa. But definitely not cats because I'm allergic. But I'm just, I didn't grow up with pets, so I'm not like a pet person, which I know makes me sound like a like I inhuman. Didn't with I didn't grow up with pets either, but I'm going to be crazy and just say both. Oh, no. I don't like, I don't like animal hair. Now I like. This is a first. We got a both, uh, a neither, and one choice. Okay. This is interesting. I wasn't expecting that, if I'm being honest. All right. Two things you cannot live without. Hmm. Things or people or... I'll let you decide that. If you want to go the people oh. route as well. I guess my husband and my dog to be boring. But I, love I love them. them. Oh my God, this is... Singing? Like Actually, I've been going crazy during this pandemic because like... I really miss acapella and singing with a group live. Like it's one thing to do individual videos, but it's not the same. Like I definitely miss being in the in a room and having that resonance effect when you do a chord or something like that just brings you these feelings. I it's not really a thing, but I've definitely been missing that. Yeah. Oh no, I can cry. Oh man, Brian, you're really killing me with these questions. I, I, I'm sorry. Um... I, I apologize. <laughs> Too early. For um, yeah, it's early. I would say maybe like having an outlet to create. I think that is really important to me, whatever that means for anybody. For me, it's, you know, whether it's music, whether it's some sort of entertainment like television, that's, you know, being able to create is, is something I couldn't live without. And then I guess the other thing would probably just be, you know, pizza. I love it. <laughs> Two things I can't live without. I would say music. Absolutely. Just listening to music, playing music. Just I need to have music in my life for sure. And then 
and my wife. Be sappy. Cover my bases. All right. Here's a another one. Here, what's the most important trait in a performer? Ooh, um, being, um, being able, able to sell, sell it. it. I would say being. I would say vulnerability. Yeah, I almost mm. said vulnerability, Ron, and then I was like, yeah, being vulnerable <laughs> and genuine, like honest about what you're saying and performing. All great answers. All right. Final question. Name one fad or trend that you never got into. Hmm. Yeah, TikTok. Oh, no. I well, just got for- I forced into it. I've seen TikTok videos. Snapchat, I've never even seen. So. Oh, wow. I would say Twitter. I'm like one of those people that I don't understand Twitter. And I just, I don't have time for Twitter. <laughs> that, that's all it is. It's a big time waster. I'll, I'll say that. So, well, I mean, social you- media oh. in general. Like, I don't know. I'm not really on it. Well, thank you all so much for those answers. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully, we didn't force you all to think too terribly hard this early morning. I do apologize for that. But I think it's a perfect setup for our next segment, which we always like to end the show with something our listeners can walk away with. We always like to ask our guests to offer our listeners some advice. So we pose that question to the each of you, to all three of you, Marone, Jesse, Melinda, if you could offer our listeners some advice, what would you say? I'll just say, you know, and I think it's hard not to give advice given the current circumstances we're all in, but I will say it's really hard to stay motivated and stay, you know, engaged right now. Find small ways once a day once a week to do something that makes you happy, you know, whether that's watching a TikTok video or your favorite TV show or creating something. I think right now with the pandemic, everybody feels like we're on like a, just like a holding pattern, but there's so much you can still do to express yourself and to share yourself with the world. And I would just say to find small ways to keep doing that in the meantime. I just read this great book called Tiny Habits. I would highly recommend it. It's a cool way of breaking down how to make improvements to your life, whether that's like, if you want to get in shape or you want to be happier, you want to be better at something or you want your group to work together better. I don't know. I thought that was a really interesting book, not to be like a a weird piece of advice. It applies even now during the pandemic, I think, and after. I would say approach all things with a beginner's mindset, something I've been trying to practice a lot. And I think especially relevant now in the pandemic, since so many people are picking up like new hobbies and we all have more time and everyone's lives look so different. I just think that's, I mean, I like going about my life in that way because it also kind of strips your ego. Think about how a beginner would approach anything and you know just with curiosity and an open mind and you know not thinking you know it should be any type of way you just like are an open book kind of strips your ego away I think it's a really great way to approach a lot of things just in general as a beginner that is such great advice from all three of you thank you all so much I think all of that is applicable to everyone's current situation and something that we just needed to hear today so we want to thank you all so much if our listeners wanted to learn more about the projects that you all are attached to learn more about laugh where could they go well, Latha, as we've all been mentioning, this this episode is taking place virtually February 27th to 28th. Yeah. You can check out everything that's going to be happening and get tickets at www.casa.org slash laugh, L-A-A-F. Yeah. And the <laughs> laugh Instagram, Casa Instagram, we're everywhere. Laugh is everywhere. All the festivals are everywhere. So find them. 
follow us. Awesome. That sounds great. Be sure to go check out that website as well as those social channels. Be sure to give them a follow. This will be a great event that I can assure you you will not want to miss out on. And as always, you can follow Talkapella on Twitter at Talkapella, two P's, two L's. And we have a website at Talkapella.org. And as always, you can reach me on Twitter at the Brian Alex Brian with an I. And be sure to go give Acaville Radio a follow. They are the wonderful platform through which we stream through. And we want to thank today's guest, Marone Jessica Melinda, so much for joining us to talk about Casa's events, talk about laugh, and just to share a little bit about themselves with us today. We really enjoyed it. And thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. great. Of course. And on that note, that's going to wrap up today's show. For everything else, stay tuned.